My name is Carly and I am an entrepreneur. These are the real, raw, and honest stories of myself, my colleagues, and my dearest friends, how we followed our dreams and continue to scale the mountain of success every day. Learn what it takes to make the next step and join us on the climb. Get ready to pull up your boss straps because this is Bossy Clubs. Welcome to the pod. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be here. This is Faith Rose, a dear friend of mine out of Long Beach. Um, we have known each other for, I would say, almost a decade. No, probably a decade. Think, yeah. Everything's a years. decade this year, I think. Yeah, 2010 <laughs> to 2020. Um, so 10-year anniversary as friends. <laughs> I know. Yeah. We'll probably go out for some sort of drink yeah, or, or oyster. Oyster or whatever. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much for being with me and talking with me today. Um, I want the listeners to know all about you and your background and how we know each other. Um, so yeah, a little bit about me, a little bit about you. Okay. So first of all, um, I just want to say thanks for having me as well. It's like so fun. Carly is one of those people, um, who is just so good at connecting other people and drawing stories out and, so we've been friends for a really long time. And actually, I would say our friendship started over a mutual love of seafood. Yes. Am I wrong? You could not be more right. <laughs> the first like three <laughs> times we hung out with each other, it was like to go get raw oysters. Like yeah. with that specific mission in mind. Um, and <laughs> yes. I still think is. friendship is formed on something with such a strong shared love. Like it's just going to be good. So, and, yes. uh, and uh, yeah, your love and for salty. Jesus too. Yeah. And salt and <laughs> salty oysters. Anyway, um, a little bit about me. So I'm from Baltimore, Maryland originally, and I moved to Long Beach. Actually, I moved to California um, 10 years ago. Our oh little, yeah, we keep going back to how everything was 10 years ago um, to go to Vanguard University and finish my degree in music, um, which is where I originally met Carly. We weren't like close friends. When no, because I was. You transferred. I transferred, okay. but you, your older sister yes. and I came in, I think the same year. Uh-huh. And you were in a Bible study together? Probably. Cute. Okay. Cute. I forgot that, but so I remember cute. seeing you and then. Um, when I first started going to the garden, which is our church, like I remember seeing you again there. And then I think that's how we got connected originally. Um, but yeah, I moved to California about 10 years ago and it was to finish my degree in music. And, um, I'm trying to think other interesting things about me. I, I'm a worship pastor. That's my job, um, at a church in Long Beach called the garden. And, um, I absolutely love it. I love living Mm -hmm. here. I'm definitely, um, and I know you get this being from like Seattle area. Like I miss the seasons. That's yeah. something about me that is like so core to who I am. So anytime I can get away in the fall, somewhere Same. cold, <laughs> I'm so happy. Same. Um, but I love music. Obviously, that's like the biggest passion, um, creative outlet. But second to like cooking, like or yes. second would be cooking. I love cooking, which I know is another thing we've really bonded over. Just being in the kitchen and like using my creativity in food and and sharing food with people is super important. So we're in our house right now. We always have people over, always making something. Um, And my husband, Josh, uh, we've been married for six years and he's the best. 
Anyone who knows him knows he's the best. So he actually brand, uh, rebranded Carly Rae Weddings. Yes. So if you, he's a boss. He is a boss. If you like their design, a boy boss. He's a boy boss. One hundred percent. He would never <laughs> say that. No. He'll oh, probably he be like. It. He'll probably be like Carly. Can you edit that? But I'm, I'm not. Like, just like a little asterisk. Yeah, we'll give you edit notes. Boy he's boss. Like, Please don't call me a boy boss. <laughs> so when did you start singing how did you find that passion and what was the journey like to kind of get where you are now okay so even as we're talking I'm remembering another thing that we have in common is we both did dance growing up yeah so that was like so back up um I won't tell you the whole story but basically (laughs) when I was like four or five I started dancing and eventually when I was around eight or nine that became like a sort of like we started doing competitions and we moved to the studio where they trained really good dancers and like yeah it was and you know this it's like the um career of a dancer is young and short and so it's weird to have to be like a teenager and being like making this decision like this is what I want to do for my life I guess yep yep and so I remember you know doing dance pretty intensely so I would be in school and then I was taking dance classes for 25 to 35 hours a week yeah outside of that and so like I'm saying all this to say it formed like a real like base for my understanding of rhythm and music and motion and all these things and emotion and how you can express creativity um, through your body and and express your complex emotions Um, and so also I was like a church kid and so I grew up doing church musicals like the Christmas musicals and stuff cantatas I wish. No, it was like the terrifying ones that I think like <laughs> come in like a binder and it was like this like weird theme. In you a know? box? Yeah. Tr- Christmas yeah, tr- show in a box. Christmas show in a box. There was one character called like Sophia Spaghetti. So I'm just like giving you an understanding. <laughs> like this is not great art. But um, that was where I started singing. And I remember even being like young and being like, I like this, but I was so embarrassed, which I don't really know what that's about. Um total stage fright but like Mm -hmm. when I would get out there I like did it and I had this like it's just like a god-given gift but like I understood pitch and so that was never hard it came kind of naturally to you came naturally and so like harmony all those things like I couldn't explain why I was just able to do things by ear obviously like needed a lot of training eventually but like the natural kind of thing was there um, and so with dance, when I was around 14 was when my parents were like, hey, let's reevaluate. Like, you're good at this. You can do it. But like, we're feeling like you've become a little bit less interested in it and less passionate. And, you know, if it's a matter of moving studios, we can do that. But like, does this bring you joy anymore? And I had just sort of realized like I had totally fallen out of love with that in mm-hmm. terms of like it becoming my life. And what I loved was just the feeling that music gave me. And Mm -hmm. so dance was a way to express that. But I think ultimately Mm -hmm. that wasn't going to be it for me. And so I, we made the decision to stop dance. And I I think I was 14 because I had just switched schools. And so I started running track as a way of like staying in shape. And um, when I was there, I started singing like on the worship team at church and Mm -hmm. taking voice lessons and all these things. And like, all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, like I love this. Yeah. And um, 
you know, when I was little, I think my parents tried to make me take piano lessons and I was like the classic kid who was like, practicing sucks, you know? And so like, <laughs> if I could go back and like tell eight-year-old Faith one thing, I would have been like, please just keep playing the piano. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't. So I had to learn later. Um, and then when I was in, so I switched to public school for the first time in 10th grade and it was like a whole new world and experience. I'd only been in private school before that, hmm. which was great, but, um, public school opened up other opportunities. Like there was just more kinds of classes in those things. I had been in a few like musicals in like eighth and ninth grade minor parts. Um, but there was like, again, it's like, I just feel like it was like a little bit at a time. I was like, I like this. So then when I was in public school, I had this one teacher who, um, Miss Adelman, who I feel like I owe so much to. She was a worship pastor or a worship leader, and she was, like, my AP psychology teacher. And she was such a good teacher. She just, like, I felt like anything she would have taught, I would have fallen in love mm-hmm. with. But, like, I fell in love with psychology. And she did – so this was in, like, 2007. So, like, jump back in time. This was an American Idol was, like, <laughs> it, right? And yeah. you're, like, Kelly Clarkson, you know? <laughs> and so they – so the high school I went to was Century High School. And – um and so we did Century Idol and she was like, hey, like I heard you sing like you should like audition. And I was like, no. And like the way you did it was like you audition in front of a panel of judges. And then if you made it to like the semifinals, then you had to like sing on the school's like video announcements. And like, mind you, I have the worst <laughs> stage fright of anyone of all time. So like the thought of singing in front of people still kind of like made me want to throw up, especially alone. I was always more okay in like a group. Um, and, (laughs) and so anyway, somehow I was convinced to do it. I think I auditioned with Gavin McGraw. Um, (laughs) it was one of the songs from chariot and I was like, yes, this is a vibe. I was obsessed with Gavin McGraw. Um, and no shame. I will stand behind that recommendation. Um, (laughs) And anyways, the long story short is I ended up getting into the show and then I won the show, which is like not to be, oh my gosh, but like it was this thing for me. Like the prize was like a couple hundred bucks, but you got to go to a recording studio and get two hours of recording. And it was just like my first time ever in that environment. Um, And my first time like hearing my voice recorded and like there was just something that came alive in me and... Then that same summer, um, me and my sister and my mom and dad were going to Nashville for, my mom had like a work conference and we tagged along and that same teacher would go to Nashville every summer and she just loved live music. And so she took me and my family to Bluebird Cafe, which is where Taylor Taylor Swift Swift. got discovered. And I sat in this really tiny room and heard a songwriting round for the first time. And it's like Mm -hmm. these four songwriters sit in a circle with their acoustic guitars. They're all, all they do is write music. And for three hours, they went around and shared these songs, which were still some of the best songs I've ever heard. And I was like, that's what I want to do. And I got chills. Yeah. And equally when I was in high school and singing on the worship team, like our, like I was, it's like so weird, but it was like writing music and leading worship. I was like, that's what I want to do. These are like the two greatest like things I feel like I could give my life to. And it felt like a calling. Mm. So obviously that had to be worked out over time. But I would say that's how like we've kind of gotten 
to like where I really started like desiring to write. Yeah. But just like witnessing that magic of songwriting, I was like, oh my gosh. And we've always connected over songwriting yeah. because I was actually coming here today and I was listening to a handful of like women empowered songs mm-hmm. and I'm like, why do I love, like, why do I love music? Cause I'm a musician also for those yeah. that don't know. She's a sick piano player. So it's fine. Sick piano yeah. player. Well, and songwriting. <laughs> um, Seriously. And I think what it comes down to is just the words and writing mm-hmm. and how like you can express something in such a condensed amount yeah. of words and it, it impacts the world. Yeah. And it's magical. Yeah. And so to kind of witness you go from having a calling to mm-hmm. now actually releasing an album mm-hmm. has been like so profound to watch and like be a part of. And so I'm curious, like for me, mm-hmm. like when I go back to, okay, these are the things that I want to do. What are the things that stop me? And it's usually myself. <laughs> I can't do this. 100%. Or what if I do that or whatever, like yeah. it's kind of self doubt. So I'm curious, like, did you deal with that? And if so, mm-hmm. like what's, did you say no? Oh, I said, oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never heard of I'm that. like, this podcast's over. <laughs> Get sucks. up and walk yeah, out. No. Um, <laughs> Um, how did you deal with that and how do you continue to if you if you do still yeah. deal with that I guess of course I mean yeah I think every human being deals with this mm-hmm. um, and so yeah I would just say even for anyone listening who might be experiencing like a wave of self-doubt right now first of all like you're not alone I think all creatives throughout history like all mm-hmm. human beings that have done anything worth doing who have made any sort of significant impact in the world, whether extraordinary or ordinary has dealt with self doubt. So like the first thing I think with self doubt is removing the shame from it. Um, because when you experience self doubt, it's so powerful. But then when you add shame on, on top of anything, it's like, ugh, it's so paralyzing. So I think if you can like, and I've had to do this a lot, like stop making myself feel bad about doubting myself and really try to get to the source of what's going on deeper. I think a lot of times it, for me, it's connected to like feeling like I need to prove myself. Mm. And so I think this is a human thing, but even more so for like women Mm. feeling like you have to work 10 times harder to just like be considered like, okay, yeah, you should be here. Before you can even, yeah, just being at the table rather than like even being able to like have an opportunity to make a significant impact. And I feel really fortunate to be in like my working environment where like that's not the case for me. But like I've been in other creative environments where I feel like I'm having to like work so hard just to be like, take me seriously, you know? And so, you know, with that, I think that can become a place of like, that can also become a trap and negativity where you're like, carrying this mentality or this mindset and this narrative into a room before it's even happened Hmm. so I think like a powerful way to combat self-doubt is to like remind yourself that like you don't have to prove anything surround yourself with people that are going to push you to believe in yourself beyond what you think you're capable of that's another thing so like Carly is one of these friends for me I have a few other people in my life that like like I like they dream bigger than I can dream for myself and I think that's really important because if you have negative people in your life and you're already doubting yourself and kind of pushing yourself down those are just a losing combination yeah so surround yourself with people that will like pray for you who love you who know you 
who will cheer you on in the good things, who will call you out. Yeah. You know, yeah. like when you're not being yourself or when you're like being an idiot for lack of a better word. Like <laughs> I have to have friends like that in my life, you know, yeah. um, and people who are like going to help you dream bigger than you could dream. Self-doubt is just like one of those funny things because oftentimes, and I think anxiety is a bit this way too. If you actually follow your train of thought all the way to the end, if you let yourself do that, you realize nine times out of 10, like it's just self-sabotage. Yeah. You know? So like I've had things where it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm going to have to go out and sing fill in the blank in front of how many people, whatever. And like when I think about it, I'm like, what am I really afraid is going to happen? Like there's not a lot that's going to go so horribly wrong that this is going to ruin my reputation. Every stupid thing you can do in front of people (laughs) I've already done. I <laughs> sang at a wedding a few months ago and started singing the song in the wrong key and literally had to go, I'm sorry, after the first verse because it was so bad. <laughs> and like, that would have killed me for a You know, five Adele has ago. done that too. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like. Okay, like, when I went to see Bon Iver, this was like four or five years ago, and he messed up, I was like, I'm good. Like, everyone's <laughs> human, you know? Yes. But like, you can't let the fear of messing up stop you from trying. You know, and anything worth doing, I've learned this like with this project, it's like anything worth doing should feel impossible without God or should feel too big for yourself. I think if you're always feeling comfortable and you're always feeling safe, like you're not going for it enough. Yeah, you know, totally agree. Hey guys, it's your girl Carly. I'm here to tell you about the coolest flower delivery service that exists. It's my sister company, Primary Petals. You may have heard of Primary Petals before, but did you know that we are going nationwide? It's an amazing service that sends really cool and unique flowers to anyone's doorstep in the lower 48. Guys, we have sent to every state and every bouquet has arrived so beautiful and so fresh, which if you know, is no small feat for shipping flowers. For my listeners, I'm giving 10% off using code BOSSYCLASS at checkout. If you want to learn more, please visit primarypetals.com. And I think we've also talked about this, but when you have those Mm self-doubts, what I have found is that is the thing I actually should be doing. A hundred percent. For some reason, it's like, or that's the thing I'm actually really good at. Yeah. Or you actually want. Or like, you know, it's like the prettiest people in in school or whatever mm-hmm. and they're the most self-conscious like you're actually yeah. that's actually your superpower and s- for some reason your yeah. wires are crossed that like yeah. or what you know what I'm saying totally. yeah. um and I think that for me that's always been the case of like mm. what are the things that I'm most insecure about do those yes which is so weird yeah <laughs> and it's like don't chase perfection I think like our generation has this like idea because of social media and all these things that like we have to be perfect at something to try or to start. Yeah. And like I have lost and I'm trying to regain this, the ability to just be like a learner yeah, and a student and be like, what if I tried something new? And like I had to carry so much humility attached with that because I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like doing this album, the first day I was in the studio, I was so uncomfortable. It's like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Like even though I knew I wanted to be there, like it was just that level of like, do I belong? Yeah. You know, and like, can I be here? Like and imposter syndrome it's or something. imposter syndrome. Oh, something that I know all too well and something <laughs> that I have to like constantly fight back against. You yeah. know, it's like, and if you can literally like step into an environment and be like, I belong here. It is night and day. Yeah. I've just experienced that so much to be true. So anyway. 
can you walk us through songwriting like uh, yeah how did you start because you didn't start songwriting right away did you or did you no so did you or did I you? guess it depends yeah it's <laughs> funny I guess it depends on like what you define as songwriting because okay so like the first song I remember writing was so terrible I'm not even gonna Aren't say they all though like yes, right when you start but like yeah. horrible um and I remember it was like my parents were at some meeting at our church and me and my friend had one of those little like tape recorders that you could record over and it had like the two attached microphones and we wrote this terrifying song I won't even go into it um so that was like the first song I remember writing and then um it was like years before I feel like like I was like late teens Mm -hmm. so like if you know me you know this but for anyone who doesn't know me like I'm a deeply emotional person I'm really connected to my emotions I'm a four on the Enneagram I feel like it's why I can be a good songwriter. Yes. I can tap into those really easily. Also has been a hard thing <laughs> to learn how to do in a healthy way. Um, <laughs> that's fine. Uh, but anyway, so like when I was, you know, late teens, I was just learning how to play piano. So I was really behind in terms of like I went to school to study music in college. So like I had to catch up to people that have been playing their whole life. Mm. So I was like learning mm. how to express musically so I had like melodies and things in my head I could sing but like to be able to like express or like play the guitar play the piano like that came a little later so I think that's why my songwriting journey maybe was a little bit halted but I found I've been finding some of my journals from the last 10 years and I'm like okay I was writing songs I didn't realize that's what I was doing Uh I was writing Uh in rhythm and meter like poetry about how I was feeling and things like that. I can Mm. remember a few songs that I started when I was like 17, 18, 19. And it would always be like a little bit of a song, but I just never finished things. I don't know if that's because I didn't know how, if I was afraid or if it was just like something that was starting in me. Um, And then it wasn't until I was probably uh, 24. Yeah, I think it was the first year Josh and I were married and um, our mutual friend, Josh Taylor, started this like 50 song project and he had been like for a little while like, hey, we should write together. What possessed (laughs) him to think I was like a writer? I have no idea. And I'm like, I don't know if I it's always the thing I wanted to say I was was a songwriter Mm -hmm. and the thing I felt like I had nothing to show for. Yeah. And so I felt like I had a few ideas that I really liked. And someone gave me this analogy of like when you don't write a lot and you only have a few things, it's like you're holding around these precious rubies. And so you're so self-conscious. And so if someone's like, well, I don't like that, you're like, but I only have this. And so like the best thing I could do was just to start writing because then you get less attached to all your ideas or any idea you have. And you start to see like the goal of songwriting is to not be right or to have your idea it's like to get the song right and to express the thing so wow yeah so I started writing with him and my friend Brett and sometimes my husband Josh like pretty regularly Mm -hmm. and that kind of got me over my fear of like sharing an idea yeah be like hey guys like what if we said this and (laughs) and they're like eh or they were like that's good you know and like and like yeah Mm -hmm. I think um, outside of my husband, obviously, because he's been like my biggest cheerleader and champion in this whole thing. Like Josh Taylor was the one to be like, you know, you're a writer. Yeah. And he like, called it out. He said it. And like, like you can wear that label. Yeah. You can wear that badge. And I was like, 
okay. And so something clicked. And it was like that that 17-year-old girl in Nashville watching those songwriters and being like, how do they do it? You know? Or hmm. I remember, hmm. I think I was like 18, and like I didn't get to hear a lot of non-Christian music growing up. Um, and Katy Perry or something? <laughs> you are Katy Perry. This is Katy Perry. Just getting everything. Yeah. Oh, he's so tight. No. Um, and I got... Uh, I went to like the library, the public library, and I got like um, I think it was when I was watching like One Tree Hill, and remember they had oh, like good that music, show was so good, yeah, like the best soundtracks. So I had like looked up some people from that. So like from there, I found this band, Not a Surf, who are, their album Lucky is like one of my favorite <laughs> albums of all time. I remember on that trip, I found Brandy Carlile, the story, yep. um, and I was just like, how do people? This is so magical. And this was also when like contemporary worship music was changing. So there was like these really raw like Hillsong United albums. And I was like, this is so amazing that people could do this, you know? And so then when I'm 24, 25, I'm thinking back and I'm like, this has just been a thing that's been happening under the surface. And some things just take a really long time. I'm glad I didn't like start. I don't know what the word is. I'm glad I didn't peak when I was 20 or 21. And then I'm coming yeah. into this journey like kind of later because I feel like I know who I am. Yeah. Um, and, you know, eventually Josh, the other Josh. like <laughs> So many Josh. Yeah. People were like, when are you going to put out your own album? Yeah. You know, and I'm like, uh, that's a good question. <laughs> it kind of like happened. Um, so, yeah, it just in, in some ways like songwriting feels like such a journey. I've started pulling other people into it now and I feel like what I've learned is like you just have to be a little bit ahead of people Hmm. to like organize something where you can have other people express like you were at our first songwriting workshop yep we did one at the garden and like that's just been so fun to like watch other people in my life that I love discover this gift inside themselves and like have a place to to work it out so yeah so you and Josh Taylor have pioneered Mm -hmm. that for the church too Mm -hmm. and have gone on retreats and different things to write for the church but Mm -hmm. also writing for yourself and and for like the greater you know album that you've released yeah so like this whole side of um pioneering like Mm -hmm. an album is so foreign to me so like (laughs) how from like a to z like how did that go okay so it has been the best experience of my life and like the most forming all your insecurities come out (laughs) but Mm -hmm. like i feel changed like it's gonna sound so cheesy but it felt like a metamorphosis like Mm. i don't feel the same as when i started in like such a cool way so originally Mm. what happened was um I, after a guitar lesson, I was taking guitar lessons, this was probably three years ago now, Mm. and, like, I was learning power chords, and I came home, and I just got, like, in songwriting, Mm. I've learned this is the exception, but at the time, I was like, this is how I write, it just gets downloaded, that's not, (laughs) that's, like, (laughs) the exception to the rule, most of the time, you have to work really hard for it, but... In one sitting, I pretty much wrote the entire song Heaven's Melody, which is on my album. Um, and like it came in at the in the middle of this season of like just hard things. 
Um, so anyways, I was really emotionally connected to this idea and I just felt like God like downloaded the song in my head and it was that easy. I don't always write on guitar and I rarely, since I'm not really a guitar player, I rarely get like a, a riff, but like all of that kind of happened. And so there was like this one little verse that just didn't quite feel right and it needed a little bit of tweaking, but it was mostly done. Um, and my friend Brett who produced my album had just started renting a studio and, um, and our friend Rachel who was writing music with me as well at the time I had played it for her. I sent it to her, I think when I finished and she was like, you have to send this to Brett. And I was like, Oh, Oh, and you know what? I'm getting my timeline wrong. I wrote it and then I sat on it for a while. And then when I brought it back almost a year later, Um, my husband, Josh and I like were borrowing an electric guitar from somebody and I played it on there for the first time. And I was like, well, then Mm -hmm. I sent it to her and she was like, and Brett had just taken over the studio and she's like, you got to send this to him. And I was like, normally what I would do is like mull on that for like three months and like make a pros (laughs) and cons list and (laughs) whatever, you know? And like, I just got this like wave of courage and I just didn't think about it and I just sent him the voice memo and it was like not a great recording but you could like feel the the emotion in the song Hmm. and I was just like hey I don't know if you're busy I don't know if you have a lot of projects right now but if you wanted like I'd love to like record this and he was like yes Hmm. and I was like great so then we started the journey of like production on that song and you know how far that came was so amazing and like I just love that. I love that work. That's the kind of work I can do and feel like I'm not working. Yeah. Um, And so he was like, so we got into the studio and he was kind of like in that process somewhere in there. He was like, so like, why do you want to like, what do you want to do with this? Hmm. And without like really thinking about it, I was just like, well, it'll be for my album. Like I'll, I'll do a Kickstarter. And it was like one of those times where you want to like put all the words back (laughs) in your mouth. And then that had been said. And then, and I, I see that as like an act of God now, you know? Yeah. And like before that, you know, Josh was like, Hey, you really should like do a project. And I was like, okay. You know, so it's like, I, it was happening under the surface, but like that kind of decision was sort of wild. Then it was like, I had a few songs that I knew I wanted to put on the album. Um, and then like, there was a lot that needed to be written. And so, um, I just started writing like crazy and, and I had asked Brett like, Hey, would you produce this project? And he was like, I would literally love it. I would love to do that. And, um, and so, yeah. So, so when you kind of make that decision, then it was, then it's pre-production. So you bring like kind of the demo version and some of the songs, like, it's just so cool to hear they're the same, but they've changed or how they were able mm-hmm. to expand is like what a good producer does. And Brett is incredible. Hmm. So he took some of my like very like humble ideas where like the song is there. I think like a good song sounds good with the best production and should sound good on an acoustic guitar, like a good song. And so like, yeah, he just hmm. was able to, and he's a drummer. I mean, he's, he plays everything, but He's such an incredible drummer, so I feel like the rhythms in the album and the way that we approach that are just so fresh and cool. Um, hmm. The recording process, yeah, so, like, what I learned was, you know, you go into pre-production, so you basically finish the demos, and then you go into the studio, and you kind of re-record 
them and then like when you're presented with like new toys in the studio yeah it was just so cool like there was some pivot moments and songs there's a song on my album called who i am and there's like this like there's this like popping sound in the beginning and that was literally like uh, a guitar pedal that like made a pop and me and my husband Josh looked at each other and we were like, that has to be in the song. And you can't like plan for that. Yeah. It's just those kind of magic moments. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, this process just solidified mm-hmm. in me. Like this will be the first of many albums. I think like if you're a writer, you're a writer. Um, and I read this book years ago. I can't remember who wrote it, but it's called The Crossroads of Should and Must. And it's I like, have that book. Yes. And it's like, what are the things you should do? But then what are the things like you know, like you must do. Yeah. So writing an album has always been something I knew I must do. And it was just working up the courage to do it. Yeah. So now we're here and I have it. It's so good. I've gotten to hear <laughs> it you. because yeah. we've been working on marketing together and yeah. just like helping you whenever you need it or I can't, yeah. I can't help or whatever. And well, and I been... played it for you, I think all the way through. And I was just sitting night. there with my eyes closed, like, <laughs> what? um, yeah. I didn't tell you this, but yeah. I was in Washington for Christmas and oh, cool. We were, we were driving to Seattle and my sister was listening to Hillsong or whatever. You know, I love Hillsong. Love Hillsong. uh, I go, pause that. Listen to Faith Rose. So we listened to like all three of your songs. She's like, I like her vibe. Yes. Um, But you're. It is a vibe. Yeah. It's so good. So good. I was like, I want to know how many streams that got you or whatever. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Give her those three streams. You're like. (laughs) My Christmas gift to you three streams. Thank you. Um. So I'm curious how, um, if you're able to play like a clip of any of the songs. Yeah. Yeah, I can. I would love to play the first song on the album, Psalm 32, and then I can tell you a little bit about that process. Perfect. Yeah. That's just kind of a little taste of it. Oh, my gosh. And then the big choir comes in. So that one was really fun. So good, Faith. Thank you. Yeah, that one, I I feel like this one was just cool because, so um, 
myself and my friend Rachel Kramer, who's an incredible songwriter, she did all the choir arrangements for the album. Um, she, gosh, she's so talented. She's so talented. She's so talented. It's ridiculous. She has the voice of a goddess. Um, I'm not, <laughs> not kidding. Not like, kidding. Her not voice. a joke. It's crazy. Her voice. Uh, and she's so fun. Um, so we wrote this together. The way that it originally started is kind of funny. So um, she, she, we were like writing together every so often and she was over one night and um, we were writing something totally different and I was kind of like asking her how vocoder works. Hmm. So like if you guys don't know, it's kind of that like bone very kind of like mm-hmm. your voice sounds like it's like a what's the name from Star Wars? <laughs> um, hologram? <laughs> That's the best way I can like word explain it. It's that like sound at the beginning. Anyway, and I was like, "How does that work?" Because I didn't understand. And so we were we were kind of talking. You know, it's like okay, so you run your voice through like a as a sample, and then you're playing, and and the keyboard's recognizing your voice as the pitches, so you can build harmonies under it. It's very complex and very cool. So we were talking about it, and she was like, "She's married to Brett," so she's like, "Hey, actually, like I'm pretty sure Brett's at home." Do you want to just go over really quick? They live around the corner. We could go, like, ask him to show us. So I'm like, sure. So we go. And he was like, yeah, like, just sing something. Like, pick something to sing. And I don't know who it was, but someone was like, just sing something out of the Psalms. And so I opened my Bible, and I had this these verses from Psalm 32. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't remember if I had underlined them before we started writing the song or after. I honestly can't remember. The like cool story would be to be like, it was already underlined and maybe it was, <laughs> but it was just the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. And it was basically mm. this melody. And so we just sat there and Brett showed us like he played all these chords. I think we have like 35 loops of us, of me singing the same thing. And we were just playing with a vocoder. And then he like emailed it to me so I could have it. And then like me and Rachel ended up coming back to that melody and we like wrote this whole song. But what's funny is like where it is on the album now is so different. So like we wrote it as like a ballad Hmm. and it was like out of time. It was always intended to have like a big gospel choir, which is in the track in the second half of it. Um, But uh, we gave it to Brett and he was like, this is so good. And then he's like, I want to, like, try something. And again, like, he's a drummer and is a genius. And so he sent me back, like, he's like, like, this version one. And it had the, like, (laughs) you know, and I was like, oh, this is so different. And this is a, a thing about writing where you can get really attached to your idea and almost miss out on, like, really good things. So you have to learn when to, like, put your foot down and be like, no, I really think it should be blah, blah, blah. But I think when you have a great producer, the goal is to trust someone. And so I really like, he was like, can you just trust me with this? And I was like, okay. And I'm so glad that I did because it's probably my favorite song on the album. Mm -hmm. And like he could hear it in a way that I couldn't at first, but then like where it went, I was just, oh, I love it. Anyway, so kind of a fun little story. Oh, it's such a good, oh, it's such a good song. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of my favorites too. Um, What can we expect from this year? Because you're you're releasing the album. Mm -hmm. What else? Okay, so first I'm going to take a nap. (laughs) (laughs) So the album comes out January 31st. Maybe when you're hearing this, it might already be out. 
It'll Probably, be out. Yeah. It'll so be out. you can listen to it. We'll put it in the show notes with the link. Yeah. Great. Um, yeah. I mean, it's been a lot of work. I have a full-time job and then I'm doing another like part-time job, full-time job, which is doing this album. Yeah. So fun. So thankful to have done that. Also did a Kickstarter to do it. And so it's just been a lot of things to manage. Um, so we're going to take a vacation. Yes. Not sure where yet, but that's going to be something I'm looking forward to. And then I would say like, um, I'm really excited to see the music that's going to come out of Garden Music this year. So this mm. is like um, the kind of music songwriter collective at Garden Church in Long Beach where I'm the worship pastor. And so I would be looking out for some songs being released for that as well, so which I'm really excited the, for. And the stuff that you guys have already written mm. is so good. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I pulled Rachel yeah, aside at church a couple Sundays ago yeah. and I was like, good song she's like thanks so much i'm like <laughs> yeah, i was like really good so good yeah um, we're having a blast and i think like too um now that i have a full album out i'm gonna start doing more like single releases so love that. i'd love to have another song at least another song out by the end of the year that's that's mine so cool mm-hmm. um you ready for some lightning round questions i love a good lightning round me too okay um, Should we insert a sound effect? <laughs> yeah, like a lightning bolt. That was me trying to do a lightning bolt. Um, what's your favorite album of all time? You kind of answered that, so I, but I think you have a handful of them. I do. But I will say, actually, The Story by Brandi Carlisle is my favorite album of all time. Mm. I think she's a genius. I think she's amazing. How do you take your coffee? Okay, two extremes. Either black or like a cup of half and half. <laughs> I would say the months of like November and December is like half and half gingerbread, like heart gross, you know, disgusting. Yeah. And it's like, it's Christmas, so it's fine. Um, And then the rest of the year, it's like black coffee. I don't know. I'm just an extreme person, I guess. Um, Any books that have helped you on this journey Mm, or that you've read? A book that I recommend to anyone who wants to get better at songwriting for my friends that I write with or my friends at Garden who are in the like songwriting group, you're going to roll your eyes because they talk about it all the time. But it's called Songwriting Without Boundaries yeah. by Pat Pattinson. And um, it is so good. It will like – so it's like a book full of like 14-day whatever challenges to help you like write through metaphor. It's timed. He talks about discipline in writing, which is really important. You can't just write when you feel like it. Otherwise, you're never going to get stuff done. Um, huh. and he, yeah, he says like, treat it like a job. And so they're timed. There's like three per day. I think, I guess it depends on which challenge you're doing, but like it will make you see the world in words and colors. Hmm. It's a great challenge. You recommended that to book to me. I think I did. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Anyway, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, tell us where we can find your music. Wow, wherever music is sold. Whoa. <laughs> well, but that's no, true. But that's true. Okay, yeah. So it should be. <laughs> Otherwise, my distributor is not doing their job. So Spotify, follow me on Spotify. That's hugely amazing. And that way, anytime I release anything, it'll go out on your release radar, which gets emailed out to people. So you can be reminded of that. Um, Spotify, Apple Music, um, Amazon Music. So I'm on all the streaming platforms. Um, you can always buy my music. I just want to use this opportunity, this platform, as a moment to say, like, songwriters make the most money if you buy their album mm-hmm. um either on Bandcamp or um on itunes um spotify and apple music are amazing but you just don't really see a lot as the artist um so definitely keep streaming put my song on your playlist if you like it 
share it on Instagram. You can find me at this is Faith Rose on Instagram. Um, I have a Twitter account, but like Who it says Twitter? nothing. You know, my husband, he loves Twitter. He loves to tweet. I don't I don't get it. A little <laughs> my personal Twitter is this 2005. LOL. So fun. Love this site. Tweeting soon. 2007. <laughs> Haven't used this in a while. Going to get back into it. 2011. Haven't used this in a while. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I don't get it. Okay. <laughs> so just find me on Instagram. That's where I'm most active. <laughs> At this is Faith Rose. <laughs> and on Spotify, you're Faith Rose. Yes. And on all, and it'll yeah. be your picture too. Yeah. It'll see me like, um, or really moody. But yeah, my artist name is Faith Rose. So you can find me there. Oh my gosh. Thanks, Faith. Thanks, you're the Carly. best. You're the best. You are literally how people describe Taylor Swift. She Stop. just like showed up for me. She like actually what? I'm Selena Gomez, you're Taylor Swift. So it's like, yeah, she's just been there in moments where you haven't seen. She's such a good friend. She's always there for me. She's so encouraging. She pushes me. This is Carly. You're my Taylor Swift. You're my you're the Taylor to my Selena. Is that fair? Anyone that ever <laughs> says anything about me and Taylor Swift being anywhere in the same <laughs> sentence Are in a crying? good way <laughs> like trying not to cry can we end this now yeah 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 we can end thanks it. Faith. Okay, love you bye love you bye this podcast is edited and published by the primary pedal studios written and hosted by carly ray williams show notes are located at our website carlyrayweddings.com forward slash bossy class if you like what you heard today subscribe rate and review us Sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content and bonus episodes. Thanks for joining us as we scale the mountain of success. This is Bossy Class.